At our capital markets update on February 7th, we presented strong results and new and ambitious targets. Today, I'll be talking to Peter Hutton, Head of Investor Relations in Statoil, about our key messages that we have received from investors. I'm Hans-Jakob Hegge, the Chief Financial Officer in Statoil, and this is the CFO podcast Behind Our Numbers. Welcome to my studio, Peter. Thanks very much for inviting me again. Good to have you back. So, Peter, um, we have both been on Roadshow meeting investors. You went with Eldar the day after, I went with Anka, and I think we received some quite positive comments. So what are the key takeaways? Um, I think very much they picked up the message that we wanted to convey through to investors and analysts. It helped also that we had a very strong set of numbers in the fourth quarter that we beat in expectations pretty much across the board by a bit. So that was good. But the things that they, the investors really seemed to like was the raising the dividend. That's confidence that uh, the underlying earnings and the long term have improved. It speaks to our ability to sustain the cost improvements. That's also a positive. They like the uh, continued improvements on the on the growth and the fact that the next generation portfolio is now down to twenty one dollars uh, a barrel break even, um, and a lot of talk around the the positive cash flow that we're break even at fifty, but we're generating positives above that uh, and the competitive returns and are starting to talk about the potential emerging for share buybacks. So on the day, Peter, um, I think we got some very strong and positive reactions also from the capital markets. The share price was up 4.6%. It was 2.2% relative to peers. And uh, I also had some enthusiastic employees uh, actually calling me, you know, saying that it's so good to see the strong results. But what is your key takeaways from the actual reactions on the day and, and maybe the day after and the following days? It's good to outperform on the day. This is not just about on the day. This is about setting the scene for the future. And we expect to get positives from this throughout the year. It's uh, it's, it's about that one. But 2.2% is good. Uh, I actually think I could make a good argument that it was underlying better than that because some of our peers were, had, had a good kick up from their indices, which had been down the previous day, but nonetheless strong. What really starts to count is the fact that we all also got some analyst upgrades. We'd had uh, some going into the CMU and we continue to get positives after that. And also that we had improvements in earnings forecasts that were up between four and five percent in the sort of few days that followed, even though Brent itself forecast those were going down. Um, and that means that not only did we perform on the day better than others, but uh, for the year to date, we are second out of the 12 peers, which means that we're first quartile or very close to first quartile in 2016 and 2017, and also year to date 2018. And that's a very consistent performance. So to this uh, strong performance over time, it's not just a one-off on the day, but as you said, it's top quartile uh, share price performance in 16, 17, and year to date. So if you are to to point to two main factors for the strong share price uh, the last years, the cost reductions is hard to ignore in this respect. I think, um, I mean, un undoubtedly through last year, the recovery in the oil prices helped us. 
Uh, but it's about a lot more than that. If we take back a step back to a year ago, we did set out some pretty ambitious targets, and I think the market was not with us early on on those. And I think the delivery that we had starting in the first quarter and carrying on through the year helped elevate us uh, against our peers, and that and that was positive. And we've done the same this year. You know, we set some pretty tough targets in terms of saving costs, in terms of cash flow delivery, and people will want to see those being delivered, and they'll want to see the our ability and discipline going forward uh, the industry as an investment case is not a constant factor I mean this industry com- competes with other industries and you know it's fair to say that we haven't been overly popular uh, as an industry but the recovery has been quite uh, strong uh, I think that's absolutely right I mean Frankly, you know, this time, six, nine months ago, it was really grim. I mean, it was difficult to find any investors who were very positive about the the, the sector. It's been very useful to, to have the reminder that it is a cyclical industry, that prices can come back. Um, so a lot more positive now uh, as sentiment for the industry. Um, also, a number of companies are talking about their options on positive free cash. That's very, very different from where we were six, nine, six, nine months ago. Um, so I think people are more positive, but these guys are paid to be fairly skeptical. They will want to see what the industry and what, she, what each individual company does with those free cash. And do they spend them wisely? Do they return them through to shareholders? And uh, now, when we have been through the, the, the cycle so far, and you know, with these kind of numbers, it's more pleasant to meet investors. It was quite good reception on the roadshow. And uh, uh, what do you think, from, from your perspective, is the main argument or the main arguments for the subtle share in, in this comparison? I think there's a number of things. I, I, I think what Statil offers to investors and more and more people are behind this message is it's a fairly unique combination, not only to be free cash flow break even at below 50, but also to be that and still invest in a really exceptional set of opportunities that we've got in our next generation portfolios. Because you, you can be free cash flow break even if you're not investing anything. <laughs> and, and we are heavily in some very good projects. Um, I think one of the things which came out more clearly in the CMU this year was the operating model behind it, how it all fits together. We were a, a lot clearer about the the business drivers. Um, and while that doesn't get onto everybody's front page of the reports, it ties it together more effectively. And that creates a feeling of competitive advantage and also sustainability, which after, after a period of outperformance, we want to retain. Um, and I think it's the, the fact that we have a resilient business uh, combined with positive free cash flows that, that people like with you know, an additional upside if there is further strength in the oil price. And um, as investors, they always like um, dividend increases. So that also probably helped uh, the enthusiasm around the company. Um, but we didn't over-promise compared to peers. We didn't point to many years of dividend increase into the future. We, m- we more stayed on a slightly more cautious path, still pointing to uh, an emerging scope for, for share buybacks. So can you reveal some of the, you know, the discussions we had around this? It was a cautious selection, so word, but it was well received. 
I think it was. I think the dividend increase came earlier than people had been expecting, and I think it landed very positively. As I said, you know, it confirms the improvement in the quality of earnings. Um, I think the movement from 22.01 to 23 cents is the right level. I think it uh, it leaves them an impression that there's potential to follow it up if we so choose. Uh, it isn't over-promising, and that's consistent with the messaging that we uh, we like to put out there. Um, I think not only does that give an immediate sort of mathematical benefit on on the yield, but it helps the impression of improved quality uh, of, of, of the earnings. We have talked about share buybacks. Uh, that goes down quite well. People really want to understand what the triggers are. Uh, and we've talked about the near-term priority being to pay down the um, the gearing and improve yeah. that slightly, um, but also that the potential is emerging. It depends on the macro outlook. It depends on what happens on the on, on the balance sheet. A lot of people sort of understand that one, but they do expect to see the same kind of capital dims discipline that we've demonstrated over the last couple of years extended going forward as well. And uh, the strong cash flow was a. Uh striking points for a lot of people. I mean, moving from minus 3.1 to a plus 3.1 from one year to the other and pointing to the 12 billion from 18 to 20 in free cash flow in a $70 world is really a different outlook. And uh, this was picked up by the investors. Uh, it certainly was. One of the things which early on we'd said we would want to try to do if we could was to try to identify what the scale of the free cash flow could be in a given environment and that was very helpful for some people it actually nudged up some people's forecasts you know they were scratching their heads and they had to sort of work through uh, on that one uh, and it's a strong set of numbers the 12 billion that we talk around that's actually after the dividend and it's after the payment of considerations on on and on acquisitions that we've uh, already announced so you know, the underlying number on terms of what they would think of as free cash flow is is effectively more like 24 to 25 billion over the next three years and that's a material number it's hard to talk about uh, the cmu without uh, going into the next generation portfolio with the break even on 21 it's uh, a world-class investment case it's the best opportunity set uh, in the industry according to Eldar and you know uh, we are very pleased with the development uh, I remember when we were at 70 uh, on the portfolio level and now we talk about 21 so has has your job become a lot easier with these numbers uh, Peter uh, yes, <laughs> and I'll take any ease in, you know, any improvement in the quality of my job any time. So people like that. I mean, I think they were very positive when it was 27, we were talking about last, last year. Um, the, whether it's 27 or 21 is not making a massive immediate difference, but what it does is show that, you know, there's continuous improvement. Uh, on this. It's very unusual on Sverdrup, for example, to ha to continue to take the cost down after you've taken sanctions. So this is something where it, it further enhances Statel's appeal as a company which is able continuously to improve costs, and that's important. The other element is it's not just Sverdrup. You know, that's not actually even the lowest break-even project that we have. Um, no, we have troll phase we, three. We, you know, and that's also you know very material in terms of its volume. So so that's important. And also this year we talked more around the non-sanctioned portfolio and the improvement that we're getting in in those break-evens. Those are down thirty-three percent from a couple of years ago. Those are getting more interesting. Further to go, but that does reinforce the impression that you know beyond twenty twenty-two we've got some good options that we're working on. So to the returns uh, in. 
some 12, 13 years back, we generated 28% uh, return on the capital employed, and we've been down to very, very close to Less zero. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're up again in uh, double digit. Um, so how is this impacting the in industry's uh, sentiment, uh, you think, going forward, and in particular our, our share? Um, I think it should. It, it's another indicator of capital discipline, that we look at this, that we've given an indication uh, on, on that one. We were saying a year ago 10% 10, 10 at 70, we're now saying 12% at, at 70. That's very attractive. And it's actually even more attractive because we're investing heavily. So often at the period of heavy investment, you've got high uh, capital employed, and that can dilute your return. So 12% in those circumstances is even stronger. It's going to take a lot of effort to get there but I think it's well taken by investors. So before we round off and, and uh, point to the future, it's a lot of hard work uh, preparing for these capital markets update. You, you must be exhausted, Peter. I mean, working day and night for, for weeks, uh, but it's rewarding as well. I think it is, and uh, I have to say, it's not just IR that do that. This is, it's a, a great exercise because everybody is very engaged uh, in this. It's a lot of work, it's a lot of overtime. We're always trying to reduce that. We're always trying to get it more efficient and we can certainly do that uh, further next year. But this is something where, where people take a real pride. They are very engaged in, uh, in the detail as well as the overall impression and that really starts to show through when we, when we come through. And it's great when the reception of that externally is so positive. And let me just use the opportunity to thank my colleagues in the CEC uh, as well. We, they've all been working hard and it was a great collaborative effort and we got a lot of positive attention on the day, all being there available for the Q&A and uh, in the break. So, so, so thanks for that. And finally, Peter, before we round off, sustaining cost reductions going forward. Stick to the, the edge of the table, not falling back to, to bad habits. Uh, this is really a key question going forward and we are quite confident that we will be able to maintain a unit production cost in 2020 at the 2017 level, but there is a lot of work to be done. It's an area of real focus for people, not just in terms of their models directly, but people are very conscious that the industry has a weak track record in keeping its discipline when oil prices recover and people are looking for any weak signals we're also internally looking at any weak signals and uh, and managing around those so it's it's an impact which is uh, it is psychological as well as economic so there's high sensitivity around it if we continue to do that one i think there are real rewards for further improvement in the share so thank you, Peter. Great having you in the studio again. And uh, thank you for the strong efforts on the Capital Markets Update. And thanks to all the listeners for listening in. This is the CFO uh, podcast behind our numbers. <laughs>